and we're live. Um, hi, and welcome to the podcast where we interview awesome makers and shine some light on the things they do. I am your host, Jason Tunison, and today I'm here with special guest, Juan von Emmerlot. Um, Hello. Hey. Hello, Jason. <laughs> we were just discussing, just slightly before the podcast, how to pronounce your name, but we, we settled with Juan. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's a good, uh, good name. Um, yeah, and you are a drummer and a coach. Uh, you coach artists um, on your on your page that I found you as also an inspirator and a leader of corporate communication percussion workshops. Yes. So all in all, you're just the the drum guy. In fact, yeah, uh, everything started with uh, beating the drums, basically. And then it just led from there. So can you tell us a little bit about like how how you got to where you are now? Because I think there's a lot of people that that like to play music, like to mm -hmm. play instruments, that like drumming. How do you get from from sitting in your garage playing your, your drums to um, yeah being recognized as a as a real drummer, a good drummer, or <laughs> a, a professional drummer? drummer. <laughs> as a real drummer, to be recognized <laughs> as such is not so difficult. <laughs> Just have to do crazy things. <laughs> no, um, 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 well, for me personally, in my life, it started at a very early age uh, because I started playing drums when I was ten. Um, I think very important to mention is that it was not my idea to play the drums. <laughs> I wanted to play the organ, the Hammond organ, and my mom thought it was a better idea to let me play the drums. Oh, really? And uh, that later on uh, became a, a nice story to tell because most of the times uh, when uh, you know young guys are coming in yeah. and, and, and uh, they play the drums, they have a big argue with the parents because yeah. they don't want them to play the drums. That's no, too loud. It takes up it's too much too space. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think that uh, thinking back of it, it was a very wise decision of my mom because uh, I had too much energy. You yeah. Know? I was the guy uh, who fell in the, what is it, the kettle with uh, the magic drink, uh, too much energy. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, um, so that was a good choice. And I think that uh, basically, uh, I, I it it was it was like this. Uh, when I was a young guy, I was I was a little bit insecure about things that I could do, because I wasn't really good at things. In my in my uh, 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 what is it uh, way of looking at the world, and uh, also good to know I had a brother above me who was good at everything. Didn't matter what he touched, piano, football, everything. He was the best. Everybody loved him. He could do it. So that made me, uh, as a second guy, very sort of insecure because uh, yeah. I was not that good. Uh, started with football, or soccer, you know, for the listeners. Uh, you know, if you are in a team, you have to go forward and score in the goal of the other party. And I would be the guy that was in panic scoring my own goal because nobody was there. <laughs> Just a good example. So uh, I, I had to sit on the bench. So... For me, that was a no-go. Anyway, so uh, because I started to play drums at an early age, I, I could handle it. I could study it. I had a good teacher at the music school. And um, gradually, I started to improve my playing. So it needs a lot of practice and a, and a, and a lot of focus uh, you know, to become a, a good instrumentalist. Let's yeah. start there. Well, I think, I think with drums, um they say it's hard to learn drums at a later age than any other instrument because you have to separate like all your limbs, your legs and your, whereas with other instruments, it's a little bit more what you see is what you get. Like, do, do you um, see that as well? Or 
It's, it's, it, I think the, the biggest difference is, in fact, uh, that you use, indeed, you use uh, four limbs, and with guitar, you just use two, and piano also. Yeah, I mean, you use all your fingers, but... Well, that's that's yeah. that's also difficult, you know? Yeah, so I, that's I why don't I don't think know. It's, it's, it's not the di most difficult instrument, <laughs> that's what I don't think. Because uh, what is handy about drums is um, you see something that you want to hit, and the only thing you have to do is you have to coordinate your hand with the stick to move forward and hit it and hit it right yeah and that times four i think it's l much easier than you know being very precise with the well, fingers that's, that's what i think as well like if you like i can't play piano because it's too fiddly there's too much stuff and it's the same when i try to play guitar it's like my fingers yeah. get in the way but with drums well i'm a drummer i'm not sure if i mentioned that but i, I no, no, play no. drums i used to play drums um don't play drums that much anymore but i always felt like with drums you just hit stuff and you just try to do it in the yeah in the beat, well that's so. that's how it starts right yeah that's <laughs> how it starts but then then you get into a, uh, a territory where you see other drummers playing stuff you don't understand yeah and i mean i was lucky to have a good teacher at least he uh he taught me how to read notes yeah uh i was in doing uh into doing rudiments you know on the snare drum uh coordination training on the drum set independency training you know uh playing the height and the the right symbol um you know in, in like like a beat and then going against it with the snare drum and the bass yeah. drum foot so um all those details and 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 there there comes the fun part this is just we're not just talking about playing that instrument in a technical way trying to yeah. understand the instrument but the most interesting part for me back then and still is if you are playing drums and you are able to to play certain grooves and you you can play it by heart and you don't have to think about it anymore then the most interesting part is to play in a group with people yeah because this is the moment where you can uh communicate with other musicians like the bass player guitar player keyboard player singer you name it and that also needs attention and needs training to be able to do that so Apart from uh, improving your technical skills on the drum set, you also have to be able to communicate with the other musicians. Do you think that's more important for drummers than any other musicians to sort of have that? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And the reason why I think that is, uh, if you're a drummer in a band, you're, you are actually the, uh, the like a, a classical orchestra, the director. Okay. Because you, you, then you stand before in front of uh, an orchestra. But when you play the drums, you can uh, give little signals to the other yeah. musicians. Hey, we're going to the uh, chorus right now. Yeah. Right? No, the accents are here. Ta -da, ka -ka -pa. <laughs> and it, it's the instrument is very uh, dominant. Yeah. And I found that out not so long ago how dominant it is because I also play bass guitar. And when you play the bass, you need uh, a drummer to be, uh, you know, to be, uh, to accompany you. Yeah, your guide. Your guide, yes, yeah, the other way around, actually. And I played with a drummer, and I played the bass, and then I felt like I was pushing the tempo because I didn't play so well, and, I, you know, you move forward. And I could feel that the drummer was, you know, staying in the groove in the yeah. same tempo. And Tied. then find out, wow, we all have to, you yeah. know, get attached to the drums because that is the real boss yeah so it's a very uh, important role you have to uh, fulfill on, on the drum set yeah. well i think i think like what you said in the beginning as as a kid you were a little bit shy or intimidated do you think like being 
behind a drum kit is something that helps you sort of get out of your shell. Like, especially when you, you can sort of hide behind it and you can come out when you feel comfortable, but you still have a bit of a leading role. Like, is that something you see or? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think you're right uh, uh, with that instrument. Uh, there's there's two, two parts in that instrument. It's like you can become the drummer that only plays in the loft. Yeah. I'm the best drummer of this uh, loft, <laughs> <laughs> which is fun part. You can play all the grooves and and and, and you feel and you can be fantastic, and nobody will tell you, "Hey, man, that that was a wrong note there." Yeah. Or you, you're you're uh, moving, you're speeding up. But if you uh, play in a band uh, and you feel like uh, okay, I'm doing the right thing, you get reactions from your band members. Yeah. And from there on, um, I mean, my mindset was was growing because I felt I, I was doing something really good. I was asked in bands. Yeah. They said, hey, man, I like you playing. You're a steady drummer. Can you come playing in my band? And that really helps you to uh, to grow uh, yeah. as a person. So so what, at what age did you start playing uh, drums with other people in bands and stuff? Uh, the f okay. First of all, I started playing drums when I was 10, but I do remember that uh, at the music school, at the age of 12, I was invited to play in the, the um, Slagwerk Ensemble, oh, yeah. <laughs> percussion ensemble, uh, with classical uh, uh, music. Uh, but the first time I played in a band, uh, I was 13. Okay. Yeah. And that was at the, uh, the school I was at, that they were asking for a drummer. These were guys that were 16, I was 13, and they wanted to play Hermann Brood music and rock music on the party. And I said, ah, yeah. I could play the drums. So that was the first time I, I uh, and, uh, yeah, played in the band, joined in. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I, like from my experience, I was I played in bands when I was really young. Like I also started when I was around 13 and had my, my little high school band with a couple of friends. And mm -hmm. I, I definitely can relate to what you're saying, like, you, you you play with other people and personally i always felt it was very hard to play drums by myself because it wasn't a, a melodic instrument ah, um, okay. and i felt like with with the band then we could actually make music and i was just hanging out with my friends and i was just just playing drums like how, how do you see, see that do you see that the same or a little bit different or like can um, you play drums three hours in a row without having any other yeah I, I can but th th there's um uh... You know, let, let me try to uh, 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 refine that a little bit because if you study drums, right, uh, your focus is on uh, things you want to improve about playing. Could be timing, could be an, an exercise or an etude, as we call it. Yeah. That's very difficult. You want to master it. So uh, uh, when you study drums, you find out that it eats time and it needs time to practice it. So in that way, I could easily play six hours drums in a row. Okay. Because I would be inside the drum kit and the exercise to be able to wanting to do that, and uh, and also you know after a while you find out that uh, some exercises are really difficult. I mean this is what I found out, and uh, and then I found out also if I do this every every day at least one hour at the end of the week I can play it. Yeah. <laughs> so 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 therefore you spend time behind the kit because you know by then hey uh, if I practice this uh, well enough I manage to do this. So. So that's one part. The other part, like you mentioned, uh, playing in the band. First of all, if you get the um, uh, acceptance of the other musicians, yeah. especially when they're older, 
you know, you, you look up to them and wow, they, they think I'm a great drummer. <laughs> but here comes the mo more important part. You start doing a, a concert or a gig. Yeah. And I remember that uh, when I was at high school, there was not, not one girl who looked uh, after me or was looking at me after that gig. <laughs> I was like, hmm, interesting. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Suddenly you became somebody. Yeah. You think that, that, that drummers get that more than than other band members or? Um, if, if, if I would be honest on this podcast, yes, no. <laughs> <laughs> Most of the times uh, I remember it's always the singers that girls were yeah. after. And uh, the crazy ones always stay, uh, because you're, as a drummer, always the latest guy. Yeah. And the crazy girls always uh, stay waiting for you. And that's, <laughs> uh, <laughs> then you know, mm, better not. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> and so, so yeah, well, this podcast is often about creativity. Yeah. I think oh, yeah. if, if you look at creativity within music, um, like if you look at the melodical instruments, you can get a lot of creativity out of that. But what defines like creativity in drums? Um, I remember that you said uh, just a few steps back, uh, you couldn't spend too much time behind the kit without any other musicians yeah. around you because it's just drums. Okay. Uh, I realized that uh, when I started to play drums and uh, I studied drums, there was there was something that I was doing that I didn't realize that much. Not until I was starting to teach uh, other students. Um, and there I found out that I sometimes said something to a student and they would look at me, what do you mean? And then I said, I can remember that I, I said, well, you know, if you want to practice, why don't you think about the bass part in your head yeah. so you have a little bit of music there and then you can stay in focus. Not realizing that... that not many people hear music in their head without listening to it. So I think the uh, creative part in my brain uh, was creating music. I could come up with a kind of a bass lick. Yeah, you're your own band. Yeah, it's, it's, it's here in my head, but I didn't realize that. So when I play grooves, when I play behind the drum kit, I at first I hear a piece of music and then I play drums to it. Okay. And uh, that can vary in many, many ways, many time signatures. I, I don't know how it goes. It's not like, okay, now I'm going to think about a piece of music that has to be... No, it goes by itself because I like to play the drums and then I can stick to the groove. So um, that's one, one thing. And the other thing is that I think in the drum set, especially the, the one that I have there, I, I cannot show you because I cannot move my computer. It's, <laughs> well, it's an audio podcast, so no one can see it, so... Okay, let me describe the drums yet. <laughs> no, it's, 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 it's a lot of drums. Um, it's got like uh, extra high toms. It's got a rototom, timbali, okay. and, and, but also in different places. And um, um, for me, that is a collection of percussion instruments like in this, what I said before, a uh, percussion group, classical percussion yeah. group. So the sounds, the way I tune it, uh, reminds me of that period of time. So I can sit behind the drum kit and, and play something that is almost like telling a story. Yeah. So therefore, it, it activates, I mean, the creative uh, brain to do something uh, something with it, rather than just playing a groove. Yeah. Okay. Because I think one of the things I notice with like, um, 
songs that I think have like really creative drums, um, the song makes room for those creative drums. Like it's, um, they they work together, and I think that sometimes when you when you have a bunch of musicians together, and they're all really good, then they all try to steal the show. Um, ah, okay. Do is is that something you notice as well when writing music or? Do you write like this is a epic drum bit? Now there comes the epic guitar solo, and then we get some vocals in here, or like how does that creative process go? Um, that really depends. I mean, there are musicians that are, are very. I mean, I make the the difference between there's instrumentalists that are very good at their instrument. Yeah. And now I'm going to say something that that's just my opinion, and it's not a rule. But and there are some of them who are great musicians. Yeah. Because I think a great musician is, is somebody that understands, okay, I can play a lot of notes, but if I play in a group, I have to make sure that I can connect with the other musicians. Yeah. So there has to be space somehow. Yeah. And it all has to do with uh, trying to, uh, to understand, to play a piece of music together. You can sort of have a helicopter view, you know? Instead of being on your instrument, uh, f focusing yeah, yeah. on what you want to play, just listen to the what what's happening in the group and then see if how you can add something to it to make it uh, work like an organism something like that yeah it comes alive no i think i think that's very well said where you said like are you a musician or are you an instrumentalist um and that's something i agree with it's something i see often and in, in bands where you get like all these really good people and then the music they make is, it's just not that good and sometimes you just need a strong leader it's yeah. like okay we're gonna do this and then now we're gonna in the song but that's interesting. This, it's interesting what you say there because some, some, sometimes the music is not that good. How do you define good music? Yeah. What's the definition of good music for you? For me, um, yeah, I think if it's, I don't like music that's too complex, but mm. I think it has should have a little bit of complexity. And I always see music as a bit of a dialogue. And mm -hmm. with music, you always expect like, okay, these these four bars have been like this. The next bar is going to be like this. And then all of a sudden it's like, no, we're going to do it a little bit different. And then it's like right. interesting. Yeah. If it's too much the same, then it, yeah, it gets boring quickly. But mm -hmm. if it's too complicated, then I just can't follow it at all. Yeah. Um. So I think that always makes good music. Yeah. And just, um, I think if it, if it has a good sound, like uh, mm -hmm. if I look at like, um, an artist like the prodigy yeah. they just have a good sound like it doesn't matter what they play it just sounds good yeah. um there's some other bands uh, i think rammstein mm -hmm. like it sounds really good but if you hear a cover of their songs yeah like, it just doesn't sound good it's like just poorly mixed and i think it's like this combination of all these things which make um songs good or, or right. not good yeah 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 so i'm not sure if you agree or be well, I, I agree. I, I certainly agree to the uh, the part where you said uh, it's it's there's you know there's just not one thing that makes good music good music. It's a, <laughs> it's a collection of things that, like you said, uh, if it's too difficult, complicated, you have to use your brain to understand it. I can totally relate to that. Uh, I, I'm not going to name any names, but there were some concerts of uh, very good musicians that played together and they totally missed. The point of making music together because it was, it was too much like like you needed a manual to understand what this music was all yeah. about 
But I do understand that I also see some people really enjoying that because they want to break their brains, you know. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's our podcast, so we, we can sort of uh, agree on this. I like I like good music when they, they the musicians play together and they get me in a certain flow. Yeah. And it's like, wow, man. It's, and, and, and you get goosebumps and then there's dynamics and there's uh, uh, surprises, like you said. It shouldn't be too boring. And... Uh, overall actually good music performance also yeah. it has to come from it has to touch me yeah you know? well i think that's a hard thing can you can you orchestrate that like can you plan no. for that can you well you 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 can plan for it but if it happens that really depends on the moment right yeah 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 but i think if you uh are on stage uh with the mentality of uh, i want to show how good i am uh, that won't come across yeah, no. maybe your fans, but uh, the magic moment won't won't uh, won't no. happen. And, and and if you have the mentality, uh, and I can only tell this because I was there. I've done it. Yeah, I experienced it. Uh, I, I made mistakes, and and, and uh, but lately you're starting to understand. Maybe it comes with get, going older. I, I don't know. You you grow, and then you understand. Hey man, let's you know the audience comes. They bought a ticket. Um, uh, they come to enjoy the music, so it's it's up to us to make this happen. So yeah. we started, but we have to get the audience also to, to you know to join in. So then it becomes more like a, a participation. Well, how much of the music is like making music, and how much of the music is creating a show? Because I feel like some bands are really good at making music, and their shows are bad, and sometimes it's the other way around, or sometimes they both are good at both and sometimes they're they're not really good at either but yeah. like is there this trade-off is that something that you think about when, when writing music like i don't think that uh, you think about it when you write music but i can only tell from my experience because i do okay, understand yeah. there's some artists that uh, they have something in mind and they see it visualize it and then they start you yeah. know putting the song together in the studio and this is how it grows yeah. a typical guy would be michael jackson or prince I can imagine, I wasn't there, but I can imagine that, uh, you know, Michael so, sort of started yeah. dancing. I have this groove and then starts yeah. to, uh, you know, do his moonwalk, whatever he can. And he sees the performance in front of him. So yeah. that's that's a different uh, way of, uh, of working. Uh, the way I'm used to working with different people is, uh, you know, you sit in a studio and you jam, basically. Yeah. You start with nothing and then uh, you start to grow into it. And then you see if you can connect and something builds up. But I, I don't think that, I mean, I, I don't think about uh, how, how would this look on stage? Because yeah. that comes in a very later stadium. Yeah. So it's like music first, performance second. Yeah. In, 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 in my, uh, in my, in your uh, case, yeah. Yeah. In my case, yeah. Okay. Uh, I think that's interesting because a couple of podcasts ago, I was talking to Marvin D from uh, the Marvin D band. Mm -hmm. and about one of his songs and it's got this big chorus and i was like how, how did you come up with that and he's like i want i want this big chorus so that everyone can sing along and these lyrics have to be easy and he's a singer songwriter so from yeah. his perspective he's gonna try to think of that and i think that's super yeah. interesting of like how this dynamic works and like can you have it in a band where like half the band on one song is like this is definitely a song with a lot of show and then maybe the rest of the band's like no i'm gonna make it a little bit more musical a little bit more interesting mm -hmm. um which is, which is interesting to see from from your uh, perspective. 
Um, yeah, but, but also maybe it has to do with. Uh, I think most of the music that uh, I am involved with is not really uh, commercial music. Well, what what kind of music are you making? What kind of genres are you currently ah, uh, working currently, in? Um, uh, okay, I play with uh, Steph Burns in the Steph Burns League. We call it SBL. Um, we like to think it's garage rock, but we sort of bring it to a level where it becomes sometimes a bit fusion-like. But there is singing, there's guitars, yeah. and uh, there's bass. Uh, nice, nice and loud, not too loud, but uh, nice, strong, positive power. Okay, that's one one thing. Then um, there's my my group G30 uh, that I started uh, not so long ago, uh, last year in November. I picked okay. up this idea to start it. I was like, uh, let's do something, and I'm working with two great guitar players, uh, Brian Bordes and the, and the Mark Bogert. Um, and what we do with the th three of us is, is called G30 because we uh, make a little re reference to G3, uh, Steve Vai and uh, yeah. uh, Satriani and, and, and the other guitar player. So it's, uh, but we don't make a uh, fiddly fiddly music. We make, uh, uh, I, I call it the melodic uh, fusion rock. Okay. So it's based on guitar music, electric guitar music, yeah. but uh, it has some interesting escapes and it uh, has uh, something very uh, melodic about it, but all instrumental. Yeah, it's all instrumental. And then there's this uh, third group uh, where I don't play the drums, but I play the bass. And that's uh, Frederike Music. And it's based uh, around a, a jazz singer who decided to write her own songs instead of playing all these jazz covers. Yeah. And uh, and we write all together. So it's, uh, okay. it's actually a three-piece band with bass, uh, piano, and singing. Uh, so we write together with the three of us. But when we play, we have a drummer. And maybe a drummer and a guitar player. Yeah. Okay. And that's jazz kind of soul pop. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, and I was, I was looking on your LinkedIn and I saw that you also did some teaching at, at Code Arts. Yeah, yeah, correct. So how does that fit into everything? Because if you're like, like, how do you get into teaching? Ah, so, well, <clears throat> um, I have taught uh, 13 years at Code Arts. Um, as as uh, one of the drum teachers there, yeah. <laughs> um, I started teaching when I was nineteen. In fact, oh, that's pretty young. That's pretty young, yeah. <laughs> and, and why? Uh, the reason why was very simple. I um, I started studied at Kodats when I was seventeen, so I went to the the, the Rotterdam yeah. Conservatorium. Seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. I stopped with the study. I just moved out because uh, I found out now I have to do it myself. Yeah. Just went a different path but i i realized i have to earn some money <laughs> so i started the drum school this is how it went yeah and um within a few uh, months i had like 45 students weekly so it was oh, wow. building up and growing and i did that for 12 years um and i created my own uh method and i was teaching people and i was very enthusiastic about drums yeah so my passion i wanted to throw into others uh, people uh <laughs> Um, you know, throats. Um, then, then I stopped teaching because uh, uh, I, I was invited to play with uh, an English guitar player, Snowy White, and we went on tours. So I didn't have time to teach anymore. And later on, I was asked by Codex to come there to teach because uh, I was the guy who was on the road and uh, somebody working in the field. So how does that work for, uh, for a teacher at Codex? Well, it means that you bring all your experience from the road including the early exp 
experience from teaching uh, as a new package and, and bring it to the school and, and make something new out of it. So I decided to, uh, to instead of teach drummers, to coach them. Okay, so so what's the difference between teaching and coaching? Okay, very simply said, teaching is like, okay, a student comes in, I show you how to do this exercise, come study with me. I'm showing you how to do this. This is, this is your homework, do this. And coaching is more about uh, the student comes in, sit behind the drum kit. What are you good at? Show me, show me. And he starts to play. Okay, what, are you, what do you think that you cannot play? And what would you like to improve? So it's more um, getting into the, yeah, more also getting into the skin of that uh, yeah. student to understand what he needs, to understand how he studies, and also prevent from artistically making a copy of the drum of the way how I play. Okay, yeah, that's the biggest difference. Yeah, I think that's interesting. I think I think most teachers should be coaches if you put it that way. I'm making a face for the listeners. <laughs> uh, you can explain what kind of face that is. Yes, yeah, it's, mm, it's a thinky face. Yeah, maybe, maybe we're onto something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Uh, I, I can only tell. Um, you know, it's it's. I can. I understand. You need to teach. You know, show students yeah. something, but only on the moments where you where you uh, see that it's really necessary to do this exercise with the student. But you, I think, at uh, at the uh, on the level of a conservatorium, you 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 know, this is maybe strange what I say because I do understand conservatorium comes from uh, the times where music needs to be safe. Like this is how the composer wanted this piece of music yeah. to play. You have to play this only like this. <laughs> In the classical way, yeah, it's passed down. It's this is how it's written. This is how you play it. Exactly. For classical music, I totally understand. I think for modern music, especially jazz and pop, uh, you need to invent new stuff. You have to approach it with uh, creating something, and creating comes from nothing. Yeah. Right. It's nobody wrote it. You just have to come up with it. So, so yes, I I totally agree with that. I think uh, uh, a lot more teachers at uh, 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 music schools, especially on that level of conservatorium, should be more coaching, and also. Uh, they should understand better what coaching means because yeah. a lot of people say, yeah, I'm a coach too, because I show people how to do it. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, that makes the big difference between a teacher yeah. and a coach. Yeah. yeah. It sounds because like I a lot of work though. Sorry. It sounds like a lot of work coaching compared to teaching. Absolutely. Like I think teaching, you can just make a plan and you can just distribute it. And it's very top down. Like this is what we're going to do. Everyone does it done. I feel like yeah. coaching, you actually have to listen, actually have to think, actually also probably be creative, like Absolutely. come up with solutions. And There you go. You said it. You said it. It's like, yeah. you know, the, the, the only, uh, uh, I mean, it, it's a lot of work more. I think, yeah, you have to be uh, ready to, you know, if a student comes in, let, let me try this. If a student <laughs> comes in, you have, to you have to find out what is necessary at that moment. Yeah. So therefore, you have to start uh, blank with everybody. And that makes a big difference. Because when you have a teaching program, you, you just give them homework and then you yeah. check it next time if they did their homework. But when you coach people, they come in and then the, the, the thing is that you have to ask and find out what is the weather forecast for you today? Yeah. You know, just meta using metaphors and stuff like that. And, and then you, 
you know, you, you develop something uh, with the student that um, makes them aware that they are responsible for every step they are making in the progress of their, uh, of their, their journey. Yeah, of their journey. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm guessing you, you, you might have been, you probably would have been surprised quite a lot of times where people uh, did something unexpected or they, like, do you have any examples uh, yeah, of? I, let, let me give, uh, give you uh, one example that comes to mind right now is uh, because I didn't start like this when I was teaching at Coda. So I had to learn to get into it. Yeah. And the moment where it, where it for me, where it started was, uh, I remember this, I forgot his name. Of, of, I forgot who it was. Yeah, <laughs> so the drummer came in, and he came with the big band uh, part, you know, like a lead sheet for a big band. And I was like, oh shit! This is one of the things I never did was playing in a big band. <laughs> and he said, I'm playing, I'm playing this big band. I don't understand this part and this and, and measure here and goes like, uh, and he starts to play. And and yeah. at that at that moment, I was getting nervous because I knew I know nothing about this. You know, uh, what shall I do? And then I realized, hey, instead of uh, uh, getting nervous, I better tell this guy, hey, listen, let me tell you something. I'm not the right guy for this. And he was very surprised. He looked at me like, hey, but you're a teacher at Kodak. He said, yeah, but you know, it's definitely not my specialty. And to be honest, I never played in a big band. And it would be, uh, would be totally fake if I would pretend I know everything because you will yeah. find out Ask me things that you think that I can be uh, that that I can tell you, you know, that that, yeah. that I really can teach you. And when I said it, I realized this can go in two ways, right? And he said, very respectful. Oh, okay, I see. Thank you for sharing this with me because um, I saw you playing something on a video. Can we go into that? He said, oh, voila. that that I can show you, that I can explain yeah. to you. So there was this first moment where I realized I don't have to be the teacher. It's better to open up. And uh, that was the first surprise I had for myself, you know, my behavior. But I was also surprised by his reaction. And then I started to learn, I don't have to be the teacher. You know, you don't have to be higher than the student. You have to equalize that. And you're both drummers. Yeah. Uh, okay, you got more experience, but it doesn't mean that you're worth more. It's just you, you have more experience. But you don't know anything about the student. No. So... There was one student that came in. Uh, I, I will mention his name. It's Arjen van Wezenbeek. Uh, he's totally famous now. He, he plays uh, in, in uh, Epica, great band. Yeah, yeah. It's a goth and, metal, uh, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Got dethroned, he played in. And, uh, <laughs> and he was studying at the conservatorium. And, and I remember that uh, he was actually the first student. And the reason why they took me in, because... Uh, the head teacher told me, well, you know, he has to do his final exam, but he, he's not intending to play any bossa novas, blah, blah, blah. Uh, can you change him? I said, yeah, of course I can. This is how I came in. And, and after three months, I found out, no way this guy's going to play a bossa nova, you know, because it's written all over him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he had it all over him. And he was such a nice guy and a lot of energy. And then I asked him, uh, what is the reason why you don't want to play bossa novas? And he said, it's not that I cannot play it, but I don't see myself doing a final exam in a direction where I know I'm not going there. Yeah. What's the use and the sense of, of finishing yeah. study? 
So I found that a very, very interesting uh, look on, on things. But I asked him, well, can you play Bossa Nova? And he played a funk. He played fucking amazing, man. He was <laughs> actually so good at it. And then I, he got my respect. I was surprised yeah. by his wave playing. And I also heard when he played metal, it sounded like it was grooving. It was, had impact. Yeah. The sounds were great. It was a different uh, type of a guy. So I was okay. uh, surprised by him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think I think going back to the, your first story is um, a lot of people say like when you can admit like you're wrong or you can admit your faults, that that that's a sign of being a professional. Where um, if you're insecure about yourself, it's very hard to admit your faults. And I think if you if you can say like you're not I'm not the right guy or whatever, then that actually shows your courage. It shows that you you do know what you're talking about. Um, and then I think it's easier for other people to to listen. Um, there's an example of coaches in, in basketball. Um, they're not as good as as the, the LeBron or whatever. And, mm -hmm. and that's why they're the coach. And that's why they're not on the field. And I think that's sort of like your example. Like you can yeah. show them stuff. You can show them your experiences. And they might be better at other stuff. Um, and I think that's interesting it is interesting in fact in fact uh, i've seen so many uh, young talents moving up and uh, i see where they are now uh, famous playing with great artists and when they play i go like wow it's so good so good yeah yeah and, and uh, once i had a um, i was at the concert of uh, davy hankett great drummer i hope he's ever listening to this program uh because he will be proud i was i was uh, watching his uh, final exam at codarts and um uh, that's uh, interesting because I wasn't teaching him there, uh, but when I stopped at Kodats, I started my own uh, practicum. Yeah. And um, as an extra, he came once in a while. He came here for for personal coaching, which was great, you know, to to work with him. And uh, and he invited me for his final exam, and I wanted to see it. Jason, he played so amazingly. I stood there, and uh, there were some ex students standing around me and I said, you know what? I'm going to sell my drum kit. And they looked at me, it's, it's a joke, right? I said, listen, man, what, have I, what do I have to say? This is <laughs> amazing, you know, I could never, yeah, but you taught him. Uh-uh, he did it himself. Yeah. This is not the stuff that I can play, way no. Point yeah. him in the right direction and then. Uh, and yeah. he's, he's, you know, I see him sometimes uh, appearing on, on the video, like, oh. Yeah. It's 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 not only the techniques; it's the combination of he's got the like you said, great feel, musicality, and once in a while they, there comes this fill, and I go, what the what the hell was that? You know, <laughs> and in the pocket and and his performance is is fantastic. He just sits there, very friendly, big smile, and it comes this master fill. Yeah, <laughs> just rolls it out all natural, no out. problem. Yeah, yeah, makes it look yeah. so easy. Oh, and I know it's it's it, it will take me hours and hours to study that what he did. So I'm not going to touch that. <laughs> yeah, and then there'll be some ten year old somewhere looking at that, being like, "Yeah, I want I want to play drums now. I'm going to do yeah, that." Yeah, and he'll just like yeah. do it, and then Absolutely. then he'll be teaching the next guy, and then it's just yeah, like yeah. how that goes so quick. It's just crazy yeah. with with all that stuff. Which which is great, you know. But it's it's um, it's pushing the, the 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 field forward. Well, you were a drummer yourself. If you look back on the 60s, how drummers behaved back then. Yeah, it's completely different. Yeah, 
they were just somewhere behind. These were the foolish guys. The little, 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 and the yeah. music was really little, little, uh, simple for the drummer. And then came uh, all the other guys that uh, wanted to show, hey, man, I can play these drums better and louder. And, and yeah. so they moved forward to the stage. Well, I grew up like playing Nirvana and it's like Dave oh. Grohl and like he has so much energy. Like oh, yeah. actually today I was looking at some stuff on YouTube where he was playing with Queens of the Stone Age. Right. And it's just like sweating and just bouncing all over the kit. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. yeah, that's that's my kind of drums. That's how I, yeah. when I see that, I'm like, yeah, that's that's drums for me. Yeah. But it's funny you said that because that that definitely is uh, what drums should be. You know, you should see the guy working, sweating. Yeah. Uh, but imagine the time was where I grew up. Uh, they told me, teachers told me, if you sweat behind the drum kit, it shows that you have no technique. <laughs> and for yeah. a part, I believed it. Yeah. And if I see early videos, uh, somebody had, a, you know, back then there was no video. If somebody if, uh, taped a video of a concert, you were lucky. And I happened to find one. I was 17 playing in a band. Uh, and I can imagine, or remember, sorry, I can remember in my brains, I had to play for, uh, this was a, a place with 200 people. And uh, I was like, yeah, I'm playing with this band. I'm going to show you how to play the drums. And in, yeah. in my in my mind, I was like playing with groove and uh, show yeah, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. And I watched the video back. It was really funny. It was like, what's the guy doing there? I hear drums, but... I was sitting still behind yeah. the kid, almost no expression in my face. Yeah. And I was glad I, I, I saw it because then I realized there has to be a little bit more expression to yeah. your performance. It's not a shame. And uh, and then I said goodbye to the old habit of uh, having no technique. And yeah. uh, and I think I think that's a, a balance that a lot of musicians have to sort of struggle with is if you're going to make a super good show, there's a chance you're going to miss a note. And if you're live and that adds to the performance or that adds to the energy, then that could be a sacrifice you're willing to make. Um, yeah. I think, do you agree or? I absolutely agree. I mean, there's, there, uh, and also you have to understand that uh, uh, if you play live, yeah, anything can happen. Yeah. You know, and if you're open to it and, and you can create something new on the spot, because mm -hmm. things went wrong, then nothing goes wrong. It actually adds up. Yeah. Well, and I think that's something you see where like traditional musicians, if you look at all the old like 70s, 80s, they're all standing still, hitting every note exactly. Very good musicians. And if you look at like concerts now, people are running over the stage, crowd surfing while playing guitar. And it's like, <laughs> it's completely different. Like there's, yeah, there's well, way more the, energy, but you're. It's, you're... True. it's true with uh, with rock music, but also uh, there's a big difference. If you uh, do you once in a while listen to jazz music, yeah, interested in. That's in, also in... like high energy and. It has it has totally changed. I yeah. mean, in the old days, uh, these were the guys that uh, you would invite for your party, party, so you could eat uh, properly and they could yeah. play a little some bit background music. music. <laughs> yeah, and today forget about it. They're louder than any rock band. Yeah. <laughs> But I like I like the I think it's necessary to uh, uh, to express yourself in the music. It's not only about playing. It's, it's also how how you stand on stage, how you yeah. perform. It's uh, yeah, that's the 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 whole visual the whole package. package. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah. And I, I had like one, one more question. I've got so many more questions, but I've got one uh, question because yeah. this is a podcast. So I'm in the tech industry, and I always ask like, how how does new technology how does new technology change your field and i th i think i'm 
the most interesting question would be like how virtual drums are going because i think 10 years ago or when i was like young they said like don't touch them the virtual drums it's, it's all bad and i was a couple of months ago i was in a music store and i was playing around it's like actually this sounds really good yeah. and it feels i mean it feels slightly different symbols are a bit different but i mean it's we're almost there like what is your opinion on Feed drums, technical. The and, and the feed drums, are you uh, talking about electronic drums or are you talking about uh, samples and loops? I think both. I think, well, let's start off with the, the V drums, like the, the electronic drum kits. Okay. So um, I think personally, electronic drum kits are nice. Um, <laughs> but I'm a fan of acoustic drums. Yeah. The reason why I live in this, this place is a high uh, ceiling. It's like four meters high. That's the reason for why I went here because I wanted to make uh, drums sound natural and and yeah. um, uh, catch that energy. Yeah. So it's a shame. Let me see if I can show you. You just send send a picture. I will send you a picture. You and can then see I can mics, yeah. Mics all around it. Um, there's ambient mics there's a different room with yep. also mics to to grab the room sound and uh, i spent like uh, more than eight eight years to catch that real sound that i yep. always wanted to have for my drums so if i listen to uh, electronic drum kits for me it's, it's always recognizable like okay uh, great. <laughs> so i'm not a fan of electronic drums however yep. however uh, my neighbor uh, he, he's a great drummer too young guy he has electronic drums he bought a drum set. He said, come sit behind my kit. I was like, well, I, you know, I have an electronic kit. I use it for practicing so yeah. I don't disturb the neighborhood. Yeah. But I was sitting behind his kit, he had this big rubber right cymbal. Yeah. The right touch with the right, you know, the rebound and the right sample sounds. And it was, yeah. I was trying out and it really felt like a real cymbal. Yeah. And I, I felt like crashing it was like strong and nicely. Yeah. Uh, Actually, I was totally surprised about it. And then I started to play on the bass drum and his snare, and, and I felt like, wow, this is something, you know, if you're not into elect uh, electronic drums, you, you, you don't follow the development of it. Yeah. Which in a way is good, because if I see where it's now, if I sit behind this kit, I was like, wow, this, is, this comes so close to the yeah. real acoustic drums. I'm impressed by it. Yeah. And I think I'll wait for a couple more years. <laughs> And then I might get the electronic drum set like that because yeah. by then they will be developed. Yeah, it will, like be, it will be better. I think it's yeah. the same as like with electronic cars and like people are like, you can't beat like a V8 and all this stuff. And now you're seeing like people are slowly moving to Tesla. And I think drums, maybe, maybe yeah. in 20 years, people will be yeah. like, nah, it's just easy. I can just, I have 20 different drum sounds. I just click it in and. Yeah. And that's also another thing uh, if to understand, like uh, if, if you're a fan of, vintage stuff then, yeah. then that's your thing i'm a yeah. fan of acoustic drums that's my thing so i would always like to play on acoustic drums even if i don't record because yeah. i like acoustic drums <clears throat> but i have to admit because then we go to the other subject you you want to talk about the sampling and the loop well i think uh, i think if we stay with the electric drums okay i think it has a lot of benefits i think for a lot of people like growing up especially in holland I think a lot of them might actually start. I mean, you're a you're a drum teacher. I think how many of your students have electric drum kits? Like, is uh, it the majority or? No, I, I, first of all, the the students that I have are most of them are experienced drummers. Okay. I only have like 
less than 20 people that come here and they only come once a, once a month because okay. I don't teach. <laughs> if you're a teacher, you have to see them every week. When you yeah, coach. No, okay, that's true. So, but so most of them have an acoustic drum set because this is where they are from. But if you go to uh, a colleague of mine, he has a, a school in, uh, in, in the neighborhood of Den Haag. He's got like 100 students, yeah. a lot of kids. Yeah. And he's renting out electronic drums. Yeah. Because you're, you're right, you know, it's, uh, most people live in small houses. They have neighbors. Uh, you, you don't want to have uh, a problem with your neighbor because of the, uh, you know, yeah. sound. It's convenient uh, and it takes up a yeah. little bit less space. And Yeah. And that's another thing that is also interesting with uh, the headphones. You can uh, dampen the volume, and with real drums, you really have to wear earplugs yeah. if you want yeah. to survive here. And with the headphones, um, a lot like electric drums, you can you can put like tracks in to play along. So yep. it's like you're playing yep. with a band. Yeah. Which yep. I think it has its pros and its cons. Like we were saying in the beginning, where if you're a drummer, you're sort of the heartbeat of the band. If you're playing along with other music, you sort of miss that dynamic. You don't learn that. Not only that. Not only that. Uh, uh, from the 80s when when uh, midi was invented yeah and um, what is it musical interface digital uh, what was it? music interface? instruments digital yeah. interface um the click track came and yeah. then uh keyboard players started to compose music in midi yeah. and then they started to finish every music and then they started to hire the guys for the drums you have to uh, fill in the drums and play to this track yeah you play to the and click track there you go and then that uh, has to be tighter so <laughs> in the old days which my favorite days and still are, is because I, I can see and also hear a lot of young musicians wanting to go back to it. Yeah. The drummer had a sound that he creates with the drum kit, tuning differently, you name it. Yeah, yeah. But also you recognize him by his timing. Yeah. Because all the other musicians, they would uh, adapt their timing on the drums because first you lay down the tracks on the drums and the bass player and then the guitar player. Yeah. So you could hear differences between uh, the drummers. And today, it doesn't matter who who plays the drums. If if uh, most producers they they uh, fly in Steve Gadd, I've heard it many times before, in Fini uh, Caluta. And okay, you recognize them by the fills, but not about the sound anymore. No, because they're using samples and they yeah. sometimes quantize the stuff. You know. Yeah. So quantizing is when you align everything on the the beat for Quant all the non yeah. uh, With the music producers. Yeah. Yeah. Because it will sound much tighter. It's yeah. just one of the things that. Uh... Well, I think that's something like it. It it is tighter, but it loses that piece of humanity, that piece of feeling Absolutely. that it's organic. Yeah, and and the crazy thing is, and maybe you, you can relate to it, or maybe you you don't, but that that's that's okay. Um, most sometimes I get I'm really impressed about some productions, like like uh, you you said that German band. Rammstein. Uh, Rammstein, you see, you hear the sound go, holy crap, what, what the hell is happening here? And it's, it's, um, it's the volume, it's the sound they create, but also the accuracy with yeah. what they play, right? But I know on the record, they quantize that stuff to yeah. make it sound very dead straight. Like a lot of metal bands do the same thing. Yeah. Now, my question is, what's the fun of that? Because we get <laughs> used to it and that becomes like a new, new standard. Yeah. And now today uh, I see videos of new drummers and they they are so dead straight on the click yeah. that it's cr impressive. I'm, I'm, I'm f I feel like almost like a loser. I can't do that. But then after a couple of uh, drummers that I've seen, they all started to sound the same because their yeah. timing is all exactly the same. 
Yeah. It's almost as if they studied how to play quantized. Yeah. I heard singers, young singers doing auditions, singing with a technique that sounded to me like, it's almost like you use autotune, but they <laughs> learned how to create that sound. Yeah. And they didn't realize it's autotune. Oh, really? And I had to explain That's to them. That's crazy. You know, That's crazy. But this is also what happens, of course, you know? Yeah, it's like the evolution of just a digital age. And then people will sort of, yeah, what do you call it? Instead of using digital to to help you, you're creating digital as a standard and people are just evolving to that standard. Exactly. And there's a big danger about it because if you keep doing that, uh, because you mentioned earlier, young, young drummers come up and they do that. I'm hoping that uh, the wheel is turning back to a <laughs> moment where people say, I'm so fed up with the tightness. I want to yeah. have sloppy drums i want to have bad <laughs> well not bad sounds but you know moving it all over the place oh. so uh, isn't that something you often see is like art is always uh, a reaction so you get something like super tight and then people go super sloppy and then you see something else and then yeah. like people go all digital and now people are like getting all vinyl stuff and, and yeah, yeah so i do think like at some point people are going to be like no i'm going to get i'm going to get original samples it has a lot more soul it has a little bit more grunge to it yeah, um, and then I, I even see. Uh, I, I, I I'm going to visit uh, a studio soon. A student, uh, a studio of three ex students that I know from Konrad's in Rotterdam, and they moved together, uh, and they decided to build a studio. And if I look on their webpage, I go like, "Wow, that looks like a vintage studio." And it is. Yeah. There's no digital stuff there. It's only yeah. vintage mixing console, uh, the, the amps, the drum yeah. sets, uh, and I realized that's funny because. I remember when the 80s came and I'm I'm a vintage guy. I was like, oh, thank God for new stuff, man. And because I'm so fed up with all the cranky old stuff. Yeah. And then you get sort of used to it and it's a high standard and the, the even, you know, you know, drum sets today. Yeah. What, what can you improve with the drum set? I mean, everything yeah. is done, right? Yeah. But still every year something new comes up. And uh, these guys just go back to the vintage and it sounds mm -hmm. great. It sounds great. But you need so, to combine the two. You have like the best of both worlds. You have that. Yeah, but but it's funny to see that, that people, uh, like you said, they want to be different. Everybody yeah. goes uh, perfectly. They want to go. Maybe they have like a snare drum with them. Wang! And the yeah. sound that doesn't belong there. And it's nice because it's there. Yeah, so I know that even someone, they record with old cassette tapes. They said it has a sort of a little hum to it. It gives a little bit more. Why not? Yeah. A little more brightness, a little bit more. Yeah. yeah whatever. And so, it's interesting because now today uh, with the new techniques, uh, even my studio, I, if I see what I have, most of the stuff I have is uh, a combination of digital and analog yeah. stuff. And uh, what is nice about it is, you know, you have to appreciate both of them, but maybe don't get too much into one of them. No. You understand you have what I'm to, saying? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Get the benefits of, be, try to be object, objective and find the benefits yeah. of both. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and, listening to uh yeah. to uh what is needed for the music yeah listening what you think is nice uh, yeah eh. and then i think because we sort of skipped that thing about how the the the, the midi drum sound the new the yeah. sounds of like like when you were saying about quantized drums a lot of the times i hear so my brother he plays in a in a in a metal band rise mm -hmm. of the wood mm -hmm. and a lot of the times he'll just click it in and he'll use like a a, a or is it a VST or a VST uh, could be, uh, yeah, yeah, and it's Pro Tools and he just clicks it in and it sounds like pretty good. I mean, yeah. I mean, 
actually if sounds you, really good. If you use logic, I mean, even when I start composing, I, I just take the guitar or bass guitar, I use logic, and there's a different type of drums in there. This, this, this yeah. drum machine, I don't know if, if even if it is a drum machine because they give it names. This is Jason, this is Tom, and uh, Tom is a hard rock drummer. Jason yeah. is a funk drummer. Yeah. And, and you just you just have a, a um, you make you make a, a structure of a song, like an intro, and then there's a verse and a chorus, and the drummer starts to play. And then you can even go into that drum part and say, I want a bit more roughness to it. Yeah. And then he he changes the uh, uh, what is it the groove, and then yeah. uh, well, less fills, less fills, and all these little things. It's impressive. It sounds good. Uh, it's been played well. Yeah. Uh, I want more laid back feel. It's all all is possible. Yeah. It it it, but it helps you to to uh, compose something. I think that's a good thing that you mentioned. Like, if you use it as a tool to help your creativity, then I think that's a very valuable tool. I think it Absolutely, can save you a lot I, of time. I, I, I think you can even, if you don't play drums and you are very good at it, you can even organize a well-structured drum part. Yeah, that sounds it sounds amazing. Yeah, you know. Well, that's what my brother does. He just is like, oh, I want to fill, and he just drop drags and drops a fill in there, yeah. and then yeah. he sends it to the drummer. Like this is pretty much the drum track, and then the yeah. drummer's like, okay, yeah, no. And he but does the, this little thing. This is is the funny part. I remember in the eighties, nineties, there's a lot of music uh, where uh, producers used um, drum tracks, uh, samples, and they kept it there. Sometimes electronic uh, yeah. program drums. You could hear it's like a, a snare, like. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> very stiff, but it was like fashion, so they used it. Um, Isn't it the, the more... 808, the classic 808 drum yeah, machine? Yeah, 808, and the, there's the uh, R5 or what is it, R8 of Roland, and all these great, uh, yeah, programmable uh, drum machines. And for some reason, later on, they kept doing it, but then they invited the drummer to play the real drums. Yeah, and it's interesting. Why would you <laughs> do that? probably you want more life less tight stuff yeah maybe i think i think with the the old drum machines you can really hear like that snare it always sounds exactly the same You're like okay this yeah, is definitely yeah. digital yeah. but even like with now with the, the current technology if you like program it like i can barely hear the difference between the thing and if you hear like uh, a ruffle of a, of a drums it's like no whereas if you have a digital it just sounds all the same like dig, 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 dig. yeah 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 true um so I think I think that's definitely interesting, and I'm definitely looking forward to like what's what's this going to sound like in ten years or twenty years, yeah, or yeah. like how is that all going to change? And I um, I don't think the drums will change that much because in fact uh, it's hitting something and getting the energy. And and if you play drums, this is what you want. Yeah, it's true. And Playing drums is a lot of more fun than clicking it in a computer. That's that's one thing. And the other <laughs> thing is okay if not one producer wants to work with you anymore. You start to produce your own music. This is yeah. what happens today, you know. Yeah. Oh, there's something we we're talking about with the uh, Emil. Uh, so Emil Boda is the guy that that recommended I get in oh, contact yeah. with yeah. you. Great. But we had a whole discussion about like, it's so easy to become a producer today. Like everything's yeah. at your fingertips. You can just download stuff. You can download sounds. You just just yeah. make music. You just need it's, a computer, basically. Well, pretty much everyone has a computer. You just need a cell phone, even. Like, yeah, it's, it's so easy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is which is good. So I'm looking forward to seeing what kind of music people are gonna create and new genres and yeah, all of that stuff. Um, so I'll move on to the next question of the podcast: is someone that inspires you, someone you look up to that says like this guy is 
creative he inspires me like is do you have someone that when you see them you're like whoa oh jeez yeah there's so many people that uh, that i, I can pick one <laughs> i can pick one only <laughs> i well that that might uh, surprise you but uh it's an actor basically and um uh it's denzel washington okay the guy inspires me because um although I know that a lot of people say he always plays that kind of movie, but there's something about his acting that feels so uh, sincere and true. Yeah. For me, it's like uh, like an actor that uh, doesn't matter really what movie he plays, good or bad guy, bam. You know, it's like you you're watching a documentary, or you're watching uh, some some moments where you wanted to be there, you know, to yeah. congratulate him or to help him out or something like that, and. Um, and I like the way he does his interviews also. I'm, uh, you, you can almost hear that I'm a fan of his. Yeah, yeah. Uh, That's good. If you get inspired by someone, you'd be a fan of them. Yeah. And and the reason why I'm inspired by him, he's very uh, direct. He's very direct. And um, he said something like, uh, somebody asked him, hey, are you ever nervous when you have to perform? And, he, and his answer was, you know, he looked into the guy and he said, you know, I'm hardly ever nervous to perform. And I'll tell you why. Very friendly, he said it. He said, when I have to perform, I'm professional. That means that if you want to perform and do an audition, you have to prepare yourself. That means that it's time to prepare yourself. So first you do the things that you need to do. And if you have some more time, you can do the things you want to do. But first you need to do something that you really have to do. And when I do this and I'm prepared, then I come in and I don't have to be nervous anymore because I am prepared. Huh. And for me, it's like, gee, you know. And I was thinking back about many moments where, for example, I had to do a concert and I forgot to uh, uh, study that one song that we had to do extra because yeah. I missed the email, whatever. <laughs> and the whole concert is infected by the that one song that I didn't know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then when I listened to his his answer, I was like, yeah, this is what you need to do, man. Be uh, professional. Uh, be prepared because then you don't have to be nervous anymore. Yeah. And uh, yeah, this that, that pops up every every time I have to uh, work on something. Okay, yeah. I think that's really interesting that you say that because I have the opposite. Like the more I prepare, the more I put weight on that event. So if I don't oh, prepare, right. then yeah. it's not important. So why should I be nervous? Well, there, maybe there's a difference between how. Maybe let's let's uh, give a little uh, detail about more detail. Preparing for me now means, for example, I, we have this podcast, right? Yeah. My preparation is not about, uh, oh, uh, what question is he asking? No, my preparation, does the stuff work good? Is the camera working? Yeah. Is the time frame okay? Am I ready? Is my alarm clock there so I don't forget to be there in time? That's my preparation. Yeah. All the rest <laughs> is improvisation. Yeah. Yeah, I guess, yeah, you give the, the, the content is still improv, yeah. but you still do all the things that you can yeah to make sure I, yeah i i, I name that uh, i call it the uh, the framework the framework of the thing okay yeah you need to do and inside when when this is done then inside anything can happen anything, That's yeah 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 so so, so what's for, oh yeah go ahead no, the, so to, to, uh, last time i was nervous uh, driving to a gig uh was a studio gig and the reason why i'm nervous is this um did i look up my calendar is it the right date Am I driving to the right studio? Uh, am I not too late? Yeah. <laughs> and maybe is 
is my whole drum set complete? But that's that's where it starts off. But those are the things that I I can be nervous about. Okay. So that's this yeah. all the framework of of the the thing. Once I'm there, and the stuff is there. I'm in time, and okay. Yeah, now you've, party you've done start. your thing. Yeah. I have that with flying. 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 When you fly an airplane. You are a pilot. You... No, I'm not an airplane. I'm not a pilot. But when you fly, <laughs> that would be that would be dodgy if I was nervous flying and I'd be a pilot. <laughs> That's why I was asking. Wait a minute. What 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 airplane do you fly? So, but, no, yeah. no. When I'm when I'm a guest on an airplane, when, when I'm a passenger. No, it's like when you go to the airport. Like I can sleep through my alarm. I can forget my password. I can do all this. But when I'm actually through customs, I'm at the gate. Then I'm there. Oh. I've done all the things I can do, and then I just sit in the plane, and then it's up to someone else. That's, that's similar to uh, yeah. what I just said. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I can relate to that too because I I know what you're saying. I, I fly uh, very often to Italy, and it's always the same. I have three alarm clocks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Double checking is the right date. Where's my ticket? Uh, yeah. Everything. Yeah, put your password in your little thing and don't yeah, forget yeah, it. And yeah. Yeah, 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 that's that's a good example. You be prepared, and you don't do it last minute because then you do you won't sleep nicely. You know. Yeah, or you will because it doesn't have any weight and if you miss it you miss it and i know people that are like that and yeah, yeah, that's yeah, not yeah. me but uh, yeah maybe yeah okay um so yeah denzel washington inspirational guy for you what's the yeah. movie that we should all check out wow what, uh, what is your favorite movie a denzel washington movie all of them Hard. basically <laughs> but uh uh flight i would okay. recommend flight it's a okay. real good role. He's not the hero there, but he does okay. a great. Uh, I haven't seen that one, so I'll, I'll check that one out. That. Yeah, you will love uh, the, the starting scene. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um. Yeah. And so for the for the next question, I always ask like, can you give me two names of people I should get in touch with? Oh yeah, good. Um, and these people have to be inspiring people, right? Well, they have to have a fun story. I mean, they're going to be a guest on the podcast. So. Ah, okay. Fun story. <laughs> um, I would definitely uh, uh, recommend uh, Frederike Schoenis. Okay. She's a singer. Uh, I play with her in, in her band. And, okay. Uh, she has a... She made a turn. And I think the turn is very interesting to talk about with her. The okay. switch about uh, how to be creative, more creative in music instead, instead oh, of just singing. Yeah. And I think it's good. I haven't had any female guests. So for some reason, um, I always get recommended guys. And if I do get yeah. recommended girls, they, uh, yeah. they get in touch with me. So I have also somebody else, uh, Fieke uh, van den Hurk. Okay. Uh, she's a producer, a music producer. And um, she works in Wisselord in Hilfsum. Okay. She's got her own studio around the corner. And um, uh, she does recording sessions with Steve Gadd and stuff like that. You know, okay. They fly her in when he comes in. Okay. Yeah. So uh, and and uh, she's she's quite young, for for what she can do and and uh, what she's capable of and uh, and she creates music also. So she's also a great uh, composer, and she has a special, uh, I, I, in my in my uh, uh, yeah ears a special approach to how to create sound. Yeah. She hardly ever uses samples. It's all real what she records. Okay. And. Um, yeah, and she, 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 I mean, she's a very inspiring person, also. I yeah. Recommend it. Yeah. No, then I'll definitely uh, get in touch with those two people and Great. see if I can get them onto the podcast. Yeah. That'd be cool. I, I will. I will tell them they have to. 
<laughs> okay, yeah, well, that, that makes my life easier. <laughs> and then for the last question, I always ask um, a recommendation for the listener. So what have you been getting up to besides um, watching Does it Washington movies and um, <laughs> playing drums? Um, so many things. Well, I, I, I like to... Uh, um, yeah, everything in music I like, you know, this is so... Uh, Sometimes uh, people say well, you do everything with music. So, well, yeah, that's that's what <laughs> I do. So, what well, could be music related? Well, I'm also a fan of cooking. Okay. And cooking for me uh, is a metaphor for uh, producing or creating music. Yeah. Um, and I'm a fan of the Italian uh, way of cooking, but but uh, for my household, I'm I'm half Indonesian, so uh, okay. I cook a lot of Indonesian food. Do you make like a fusion Italian, f Indonesian uh, yeah. fusion? Yeah, there's there's my Italian food always. There's a little bit of Indonesian in there, and the other yeah. way around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, just little bits that I recognize. Some people don't yeah. even recognize it, and they say this has got nothing to do with Indonesian. No, but I know yeah, there's you... some ingredients there that makes. <laughs> You know, it tastes nicer for me. So what do you recommend with, with cooking? Like, should someone make a recipe or? Yeah, I, I would say uh, uh, a recipe would be nice. I like uh, I like to share the, uh, that, that uh, I was always scared to, to make risotto. risotto. Okay. Uh, and when I was touring in Italy uh, many times, I, I ate many risottos and some of them were great. Some of them were like, hmm. So then I started to look up, how do you make actually the perfect risotto? What what yeah. does it take to make the perfect risotto? And uh, then I stepped into uh, a book of uh, Jamie Oliver. You know Jamie Oliver. Yeah, yeah. And he's got like recipes that are easy to catch. And, and the way he talks and he shows his pictures, like, uh, wow. So I was starting to learn to, uh, to, uh, to, to make a risotto from his book. And then I start to add some things to it. Um, and the risotto bianco, that's the white risotto. Okay, yeah. Uh, the way he makes it, uh, I think basically I, I, I nicked a lot of his recipe, but I, I added uh, uh, Spanish pepperonis to it. Very nice. Uh, yeah. um, what is that? The mushrooms, big okay, mushrooms yeah. put into it. And uh, what is that? The, the formaggio. Uh, he uses a certain formaggio. I always use padano for some reason. Yeah. I find, find Padano better suitable for risotto. The taste is not so strong, but okay. it makes that risotto, you know, come together better in, in my in my taste. Okay. I'll, I'll... And also the people that eat it, they are, uh, you know, some people want to marry me because of the risotto. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, you get, you're, you're good at selling yourself. Like drama is it good for, uh, for finding ladies and now you're a, a cook as well. And uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I have a nice lady, though, but uh, I found her by drumming and cooking something. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so single people out there, um, just pick up the drums and start cooking. Uh, absolutely, it's absolutely. Good tip. It's a must, yeah. People will chase you. They will stalk you forever. <laughs> yeah, look at that. That's what I have with my nachos. That's how I got my girlfriend. Oh, There's wow. a, a, ver a very uh, New Zealand dish is the New Zealand nachos. Okay. And it's just, I don't know. Maybe it's the same as, like, nachos everywhere, but... You can just get it everywhere in New Zealand, and wow, it's, the New it's Zealand good. nachos. Send me yeah. a recipe. I will send you a recipe. Um, I send you mine. Yeah, good. No, this sounds good. And yeah, I'll take some pictures when once I've made the risotto and yeah, send yeah. it your way. 
Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, so for me, I have also have a, a parting gift. Um, so we so we're in the the COVID situation now. Mm. We can't travel, but apparently, a lot of people come to Holland and look at our beautiful nature. So now I am going around the the neighborhood. So yesterday, I went to a park. It's about fifteen minute drive from from where I live. I've mm. never been there. I live here for like about twenty years now. Where's and here? 20, 20 years I've been living in Holland. Where is here? Oh, where? It's in Vlaardingen. Okay, yeah. Um, so I live in, in Naaldwijk, um, but the park was in, in Vlaardingen, so it's close okay. to Rotterdam. And it's, it's huge. This is All of a sudden, there's this huge park that I've never been to. And you can go there, and there's all these outdoor activities, and there's this thing you can walk up, and I never noticed it was there. Um, right. So that's my gift, is okay. with, with the COVID, I mean, go outside, go to parks, and... Yeah. Travel your own country, travel your own village, travel your own city. Perfect. There's so much yeah. stuff to do. I mean, yeah. it's it's a shame if all these people are coming to your city to check it out and you've never checked it out. So yeah, yeah, that's my gift. Very good, very good. Yeah. So if well, people yeah. want to get in touch with you, uh, Juan, mm -hmm. where can they find your work? Uh, best is to go to uh, uh, www dot rocks <laughs> seriously yeah yeah I'll, I'll everything you want to know about me you can find it there teaching yeah. the yeah. composing drumming uh yeah it's all and there. find your stuff on spotify absolutely yeah the g30 g30 you can go there also you know if you want to go to www.g30.rocks <laughs> we got a nice uh, website for you there too yeah, Look all at updated. That. Yeah. yeah, and I'll put that in the show notes as well for people to get in touch with you. Thank you so much, man. Yeah. So, so um, yeah, thank you for coming on the show. It was a pleasure speaking to you. Um, thanks for uh, inviting me, man. Yeah, uh, great I'm, job. I'm, yeah, thanks. Um, no, it was very interesting. I just like the energy and uh, finally talking to someone about drums. I haven't had any drummers on the podcast oh, yet. Uh, so. Well, good you play drums. I'm going to send you some uh, recipes for drummers. Okay, look at that. Yeah, cool. <laughs> So yeah, so thanks, and um, yeah, I'll wrap it up. So we've set up a Patreon, um, so we can gather some sponsors, get some better software in there. Um, if you feel like sponsoring us or your hard-earned money, you can do that at Patreon.com/slash Jason's Podcast. And if you have any feedback or you uh, made some risotto and you'd like to send me some pictures or some nachos and you want to send me some pictures, um, maybe if you have some guests that I should get in touch with, you can send that to Finding Inspiration podcast at gmail.com um thanks for listening and hopefully we'll see you next week bye